0: All right, everybody. Welcome to new life. How you guys are excited to be at church today? Are ya? Man, so am I. So am I. Hey, look. My name's Jeff. I get the privilege of being the lead pastor here at this church. I'm just one of the pastors on staff, though. We have an amazing staff. Today, I am proudly wearing, you know, because I'm from St. Louis. So today, I'm proudly wearing the St. Louis Blues jersey for finally, for finally winning the Stanley Cup. And I know I live in a football state, but you just have to put up with me today, all right? That's the deal. Because the last time the Blues played in the Stanley Cup, I was six months old. (laughs) They have never won it, ever. I have to support my hometown team today, okay? So you feel free. Wear your Husker jersey some other Sunday, all right? If you, don't like, if you don't like the fact that I'm wearing this and you think the pastor should be in a suit and a tie, I just want you to know a second reason why I'm wearing it. It's Father's Day, and I'm doing what I want. <laughs> <laughs> so take that. Oh, man, I feel so much better now. Somebody actually said, have you taken this off since they won? Yes, I have. Okay. To sleep because I don't want to wrinkle it. I don't want to wrinkle it. Okay. All right. Anyways, let's get down. Let's get down to like what we're really here for. One of the things that I want to make sure that everybody at our church knows about is the Global Leadership Summit. The Global Leadership Summit is an event that we host here. It's hosted around the nation. Actually, it's hosted around the world. Uh, Why do we do the Global Leadership Summit? We do it because it fits the vision of our church. The vision of our church, one of the reasons that we exist, just one, is to raise up the next generation of leaders. Uh, th- that, could be, that could be anybody, though, at any age. It's just preparing us to be the best version of ourselves that God created us to be. We believe, at New Life, that every single person has influence. Some of you in the past years, you have not taken advantage of the Global Leadership Summit, both here at Carney and those watch, watching right now at our North Platte campus live. Which, by the way, hi everybody. We got some good hockey fans out in North Platte, by the way. So I know that. So, all right. Um, but we host the Global Leadership Summit at both campuses. And some of you guys just haven't taken advantage of it because you're not a leader, or at least you don't think you're a leader. You're not the manager where you work, you're not the business owner, right? You just don't see yourself as the leader. And so you've been kind of shying away from this. And you've been thinking to yourself like $89 invested into this, which is the sign-up rate right now. You know, like, man, am I gonna get anything from this? I just want you to know today, one of the reasons why I want the Global Leadership Summit here at our, our church, at both of our campuses right now and soon to come in Ogallala, is I believe every single one of you has influence. You have influence in some area, in some capacity, it doesn't matter what your age is, there's always a way to grow and become greater at your influence. And so I want every single one of you to really seriously consider signing up for the Global Leadership Summit. Invest into your life, right, so that you can be the best that God designed you to be. And who knows what God will do with that? God has a plan. He has a plan, but I wouldn't be offering this thing to our church if I didn't think that it met the needs of many of you, and I believe that it does, so please jump in and sign up. Hey, today in our series, King Me, the King Me series have been looking at David, King David out of the Old Testament, and we've been looking at what it means to walk in submission to or under the authority of God, the King, and that's a difficult thing right there to do all by itself. And if we don't get that right then we don't get the rest of the we don't get anything else right and we also have been looking like what happens when we get the small right the small crown of leadership on this earth and we become the leader of our home we become the leader of an organization we become the manager we become whatever it is right when you become the leader in something here on this earth and what it looks like now too you know, walk in proper authority and bless those that are underneath you. I just believe that as a leader gets better, everybody around them should get better. And that's, that's a principle, really, of the Lord, that as we, as we submit to him, he creates us into the best version that he designed for us. I guarantee you, that's life-giving. That's life-giving. So we've been looking at this dual picture of what it means to submit our crown and not live life based on our own rules and submit that to Christ and let him be the king of our life, and then to use the crowns that we do get on this earth of leadership and influence, use those correctly. Looking at David's life to figure this thing all out, today I want to talk to you about the topic of repentance. Now the last couple of weeks we've talked about other topics. You can see those at MyNewLifeChurch.com if you missed any of those weeks. Today's repentance. It's a classic, classic passage in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 11 and 12 that really kind of talks about um, a life that David had that he was not a perfect man, but although David was considered to be, you know, the best king that Israel ever had, he was not a perfect man. And we see in this passage where David, he sins, and he falls flat on his face, and then what it looks like for him to pick himself back up. But to get into this story, I really want to start with, you know, chapter 11, verse 1. It starts in a very interesting manner, and I want you to see it. Here's what happens. In the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, David didn't go. David sent Joab and the Israelite armies to fight the Ammonites. It's a very interesting little moment that happens in scripture that I think many times we kind of overlook these things. David is the king, kings go to war, David is a warrior, David is an advanced warrior, David has a lot of victories on the battlefield, David knows a battlefield, David decides, I'm not going this time, when kings normally do it. David abandons his purpose, and his mission as the king, and the minute that he does that, he starts finding himself walking into a season of trouble. That'll be the same thing that'll happen for you and me. When we abandon our God-given mission and our God-given purpose, is the moment that we start watching sin have its dominating effect in our life. Let me give you some examples. When a father stops coming home to his mission and his purpose after work every day, to love his wife and to lead his kids, to take care of his home, when that father abandons that purpose and that mission and starts going to the bar every single day, I guarantee you, sin starts to dominate. When a teenager, when a teenager stops living out their God-given purpose and mission and stops honoring their parents and starts doing things behind their back, that's when sin begins to dominate. Here's another one. When a mom, when a mom stops communicating with her husband and instead she starts sharing personal and intimate information with another man in social media, over coffee, on the phone, That's the moment when sin starts creeping in and begins to dominate. Whenever we abandon our mission and our purpose, it's when sin starts taking its greatest effect on our lives. And this is what David experiences in his life. So let's get back to the story. The Bible then jumps in and it says this. No joke, this is verbatim. In the evening, David got, got up out of his bed. In the evening. We're not talking nights. We're not talking midnight, three o'clock in the morning. We're talking in the evening. What do you consider to be the evening? Right? Five, six, seven, eight o'clock at night. David's getting out of bed at this time. Okay, now let's just hang on for a second. Like, what does that tell you about how far he's abandoned his purpose and his mission? He's sleeping in the evening now. Like he has no other thing to do, so he's just laying around. And the Bible says it was at that moment that he gets up and he goes up onto the rooftop and he starts walking around on the rooftop and lo and behold, he looks down and he sees this woman by the name of Bathsheba and she's actually bathing. Now I find that kinda be funny actually, by the way. Bathsheba, she's taking a bath. I don't know why that is. I don't know why the Bible does those things. God does that, but it's just there, okay? So here she is and David is like locked on lust begins to course through his veins, he goes and finds one of his servants. He says, bring me that woman. The woman comes over to the palace that night, by the way, and he wines or dines her and ends up having sex with her. A few weeks later, David finds out from Bathsheba, hey, by the way, sends a message to King David, I'm pregnant. David thought to himself, look, since I'm not out doing what I'm supposed to be doing, Maybe I could just have this one night fling and everything will be okay. But that's going to quickly turn around on him. David is now wrestling with, okay, what do I do? Um, she's pregnant. Obviously, she's going to have a baby. Um, you know, how, this, how am I going to cover this up? And he finds out that her husband, Uriah, is out at war with Joab. So he sends a message to Joab and he says, hey, Joab, send Uriah. Tell him to bring a report back to me about how the war is going with the Ammonites. But David's real intention is this. I want to get Uriah back here. I want him to lay with his wife, sleep with his wife, have sex with his wife, so that when she gives birth, Uriah will believe the baby was his, right? And I will be scot clean, and I won't have to worry about my sin anymore. So he tries to cover it up. So Uriah shows up, but to David's surprise, Uriah is a man of great honor. So Uriah gives the report, and then basically says, how else can I serve you, king? And David's like, well, why don't you just go home, you know? Go home to your wife. Take a little R&R. And Uriah goes, how in the world can I take some R&R in a moment like this? When men, they're fighting with me and for me, and dropping at both sides of me, and we're sleeping in tents. How can I, in the midst of that, go home and lay with my wife? So David, David's like, to his surprise, he's like, oh, my word, what's going to happen now? So Uriah goes out, and he sleeps at the steps of the palace. So now David's like, wow, what am I gonna do? So the next day he says to Uriah, hey look, you know, you might as well stay for a couple of days. And he eats with him and he dines with him. The Bible says that David even gets Uriah drunk. And even in Uriah's state of being drunk, he still doesn't go home to be with his wife. He still sleeps on the steps of the palace. What a man of incredible honor. So David has to ratchet up his sin and he takes his sin to a whole new level. Here's what he does. 2 Samuel eleven fourteen. 14, the next morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and he gave it to Uriah to deliver. The letter instructed Joab, station Uriah on the front lines where the battle is fiercest, then pull back so that he would be killed. I just want you to notice what happens with a man that could be you as well, who abandons his God-given mission and his God-given purpose. It leads to adultery that then leads to the killing of an innocent man. That's the destruction that happens in our lives when we abandon God's purpose and his mission in our life. That's the kind of thing, guys, that we're trying to watch out for. That's the thing we're trying to avoid. So God's not going to let David get away with this. So he sends the prophet Nathan to him. The prophet Nathan shows up and rebukes David for his sin. And this is what David does. He immediately repents and he immediately confesses that he's a sinner. Here's the words that he uses. Then David confessed to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, yeah, you you sure did, man. But the Lord has forgiven you, and you won't die for this sin. Repentance brought immediate forgiveness. David hears those words, you have been forgiven for this sin. But guys, the consequences of the sin we're to live on. I find it, but no mistake, that these words are used by the prophet Nathan. You, you won't die for this sin. That just tells me this. That was one of God's options. Sin has consequences, and those consequences can be grand. So what do we do? Well, repentance is this. Taking off your crown, laying it down, Humbling yourself before God and admitting the fact that you failed God and His law and asking for His grace to be in your life. That's what great leaders do. Great leaders are able to repent here on this earth, even to their, even to their people that they work with. But great leaders recognize when they blow it, they turn back to God and they say, God, I have misused my leadership. I have manipulated others with my leadership. I've made decisions that have abandoned your your purpose. I've made decisions that have broken your law. I have done things and said things that have gone against the grain, God, of what you empowered me to do. That's what great leaders do. And we're going to get a snapshot into the behind the scenes. We're going to kind of go backstage with David for a minute because David went on to write about what he was feeling what was going on in his mind, how he was dealing with the conviction, how he was dealing with the repentance of this moment in Psalms 51. In Psalms 51, David gives us this instruction of what repentance actually looks like. And I wanna use what David can teach us so that we can apply true repentance to our lives. We can take off the crown, we can let God be the king. We can use the crown of leadership on this earth in a healthy way. Here's what David teaches us. First, he says this, that repentance is for sin against God. Like, the very first words that David utters out of his mouth to the prophet Nathan were these words, I've sinned against God. Now, you and me, man, we kind of get wrapped up in the story a little bit. And we're like, well, yeah, but you committed adultery, you know, against this woman and, her, and the husband, and you killed the man. Like, there's got to be something that happens this way, Right? Yeah, yeah, there is. There is a healing that needs to happen this way. But first, the first move is not this way. The first move is toward God. I want you to listen to the way that David said this in Psalms 51. Starting in verse 1, Have mercy on me, O God. Because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I have recognized my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. Um, You will be proved right in what you say. And your judgment against me is definitely just. You can kind of like... You can sense David carrying the weight right and the gravity of his sin you can you can see how he's recognizing I've sinned against you God he uses words like blot out the stain of my sin knowing that God's looking down and he sees the stain on David he doesn't see David he sees the stain of his sin on him that stain would only be something that God would see not something necessarily that man would see David's the king He also says this, God, I recognize my rebellion. My rebellion is only to one thing. It's only to you. So I'm recognizing my rebellion and my sin is to you. And then David just flat out comes out and he says this, against you and you alone, God, have I sinned. See, guys, it's vital for you and me That repentance has to start with an understanding, a gravity of understanding that recognizes that when I sin, whether it's small or it's large, in our eyes, it's equal in God's eyes, but it's against God first and foremost. If you want to live a healthy life before God, if you wanna be able to lead right before God, then you've gotta recognize your sin is directed and it's against one authority and one authority only, and that is God and his authority. That's where it has to start. David also knows this, though, that his sin, even though his sin was forgiven, that there was, it was gonna come with a price of God's judgment. And that's why, David, you even use the words, like your judgment against me, God, It's going to be just. So you need to know this. True repentance will bring forgiveness of your sins, but the consequences of our sins will remain. This is what happens. I want you to even listen to what happens to David. David finds out in verse 13 of 2 Samuel 12, all right, great, my sins are forgiven. This is awesome. But in verse 14, here's what he finds out. Nevertheless, because you have shown utter contempt for the Lord by doing this sin against Bathsheba and against Uriah, your child's going to die. David was taking Bathsheba in as his wife. That was his earthly ownership of this moment. I'll raise this child, but God says, you know, because of your sin, there's going to be a consequence. And the consequence is this. You are not going to be raising that son. I want you to notice this, please. Lock this inside of your heart because the enemy will use it to destroy you. Do you remember this? Never mistake the consequences of your sin as a lack of God's forgiveness. Never mistake those two. God, God will completely forgive the man and woman that repents, but there's a consequence to our sin that still has to be lived out. And sometimes people are like, I let to live out this consequence like, God, you're against me. No, your sin is against you. Sin, like my actions have a reaction. My actions have a consequence, both good and bad. Both good and bad. Same thing happens with our sin. So guys, never mistake that even though you had to walk through the consequence of your actions, that doesn't mean that God hasn't forgiven completely. God forgives completely. Consequences still have to be lived out. So... Your sin, you need to remember, right, that your sin is a violation against God. So repentance first goes to God. That's the first thing David teaches us. Here's the second thing, though. He says this, that repentance heals the separation caused by sin. The, thing that, the next thing that really stands out is that there's a, there's a travesty that takes place in sin because it separates us from a holy God. Sin moves me this way. God doesn't move God's stable, God's righteous, God's pure in everything and in all ways. But sin separates me. It's like driving a wedge into a piece of wood to split it into smaller pieces. Sin is that wedge and it gets driven in to separate me from God. I want you to listen how, David, how David's repentance, he recognized his separation from God and how badly he wanted to get back into a closeness and a relationship with God. Listen to what David said in Psalms 51, now in verse 7 says this purify me from my sins and I'll be clean wash me and I'll be whiter than snow oh give me back my joy again you have broken me now now let me rejoice don't keep looking at my sins remove the stain of my guilt create in me a clean heart oh God renew a loyal spirit within me Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you again. Right off the bat, like some of the first words of that passage that just jump off the page at me is these words. Don't keep looking at my sin. It's like David's going, there's a separation. My sin has caused you to have to look at my sin and not me He's like, don't keep looking at my sin. See me again. I want relationship with you. Like, I want to be close with you. But I recognize that my sin is something that now, it's like, a, it's like a blot. It's a stain that you see, and it's keeping me from you. And David goes on, and he goes, look, God, do not banish me from your presence. I recognize, I feel the separation. Like, I once used to be close to you, but now it's like I'm over here, and you're an arm's length away, and i don't banish me to this. I can't live life like this. David's saying, I want to get back to a closeness with you, God. He recognizes this sin and its separation. He recognizes that unconfessed sin is like living underneath a thick cloud cover over your life. Like We're in summer. Summer gets hot. You're out at the lake, you're out on the golf course, you're working in the backyard, and then all of a sudden a nice cloud comes over and it comes between you and the sun and you get this instant relief from the heat. You guys know what I'm talking about? You get that moment, you're like, wow, that feels good. Like I could stay out here all day if that was here. Yeah, but then take take it to the far end extreme. Take the cloud cover and just make it super thick. Make it, you know... Thousands of feet thick, thousands of feet thick, and it covers the entire earth so that the sun's rays can't reach the earth anymore and they get caught up in the cloud, right? And you remember the coolness that you felt on a hot summer day from one? What do you think is going to happen, in, especially in colder climates, if ever the whole earth was covered with cloud? It's going to get cold fast, ice age cold. It's going to be, it's going to be deathly cold. It's going to be destructive, Living separated from God is like living underneath that thick cloud cover. It's depressing, it's cold, it's dull. You're living there and you kind of like, you see that the, there's this like silver shine to the gray clouds, but you, can't, you never can make out a sun. You just know it's lighter right now and it's darker at night and you see it, but you don't feel any of its heat. You know that the sun is on the other side of those clouds, but you long for it, but you can't reach it. And repentance, it's like busting a hole right through those clouds so that the light of the sun and the heat of the sun, once again, it reaches you. And you're like, I feel alive again. Guys, that's what repentance does with God. It's like it busts that cloud cover. And once again, this banishment that you felt, the separation from God because of your sin that you felt, once again brings you close to him. You feel the warmth of his embrace. You feel the love that he, that he wants to give you. You feel the forgiveness that he offers. You feel the closeness again. That's, that's what repentance does. Repentance heals the separation that's caused by sin. But one of the things that causes us not to repent is that we don't recognize the severity of separation from God. Many of you are living at an arm's length from God because of your sin. And this has become normal for you. A cloudy day with God, that's your normal. And you feel a little distant from him, you feel a little cold from him. I'm telling you, that's not normal. That's not what God created you for. That's not why he sent Jesus to die on the cross so that you can live in a cloudy day with God. God God wanted to be close to you, you feel his embrace, you feel the warmth of it. We've gotta come back to understand the severity of separation from God. That separation from God is devastating because it, it steals you of joy and happiness. The joy of your salvation being restored to me like David prayed. The joy of knowing you like David prayed. Separation from God, it, it, leaves, it leaves room for the enemy to come in and just take you deeper down the rabbit hole of sin. You leave yourself vulnerable. You're just hanging out there like that. And over time, separation from God because of sin can lead to eternal separation from God in hell. So separation from God, guys, is is crucial to recognize, it's crucial to identify, it's crucial to deal with. Repentance is the only way to, to break that gap of separation between God and you. God's faithful, he's pure, he's righteous, he's stable. We repent of our sin, it brings us close back to God again. So don't live separated from God. Let repentance bring you back. But thirdly, and I think probably it's profound. By the way, it's going to take us all the way back to the beginning of the message. Repentance restores your mission and your purpose. David abandoned that mission and purpose. He ends up sinning with Bathsheba, and he ends up killing his killing her what? Her husband Uriah. But repentance can restore that entire mission and purpose. Watch this, not back to 75%, back to 100%. Listen to what David recognizes, that because of repentance, he's like, look, these are the things that now I'm gonna find a lot of joy doing. He goes, because of repentance, then I will teach your ways to rebels and they will return to you. Forgive me for shedding blood, O God who saves. Then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that my mouth may praise you three things that happened here about God restoring his mission and his purpose because of repentance. Watch this first one. The first one is that repentance empowers you to start sharing your faith with a passion again. Look, it says, because of repentance, I will teach your ways to rebels and they will return to you. Some of you, you want to share your faith. Like you want to be more passionate about communicating your faith to others, but you feel like a hypocrite. Why do you feel like a hypocrite? Because of your sin. But when sin is repented of, then the second thing has to happen. You have to walk in the freedom of the repentance. Walking in the freedom of the repentance should bring you back to a point where you recognize there are people who are lost without this grace that I'm feeling right now. I want them to know about it. God, help me to now take this true repentance, forgiveness, and grace, and take it out onto the streets and share it with people that I love and I care about deeply. So repentance might be the very thing that's keeping you from sharing your faith with a passion. But there's a second thing. Repentance empowers you to worship. David uses these words. He goes, because of repentance and your forgiveness, God, I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Joyfully sing. Some of you, you come to church You listen to our message Sunday after Sunday and then we go into that singing worship time and you clam up and you become stoic. And I wonder to myself if some of that isn't, it's less because of like your personality and it's more because you don't feel like you're worthy enough to even sing praises to him. That you, in the back of your mind, you think to yourself like, will he even listen to me? Am I just being a fake right now? And I want you to know, true repentance, true repentance should restore joy, singing to the Lord, should restore the joy of just being in worship to Him and find yourself lost in worship, hands raised, a tear coming down your face or whatever, right? But just worshiping God and singing these words that we use that are profound words in our worship songs. Some of you are locked up in chains all because... You don't believe that your repentance actually brought freedom. But true repentance before God, it takes away that separation It brings us close to him again. True repentance brings us into a place where we should be able to worship him freely. So maybe it's this repentance that's needed today to unlock worship for you. One more thing though, that's restoring mission and purpose. Repentance empowers you to do something, empowers you to pray again. Because of repentance, David says, right, then here's what will happen. You'll unseal my lips, O Lord, that my mouth may praise you again. I'm just using that praise you again just to bring it into prayer again. For some of you, you desire prayer with God, but you never find yourself there. And one of the reasons why you don't find yourself there is because there's this sin separating you from God. I, I I want to see you walk in all three of these missions and purposes that repentance brings. I want to see you walk with you know worship to the Lord that brings joy. I want to see you pray again that makes your that unseals your lips and it just you find this oneness with God. And I want to see you walk out of these doors with such a joy of understanding the grace that comes from the forgiveness that happens with repentance that you just go out the door and you just want to share faith with people. You just want to tell people about Jesus. I want to see that for you. So where does it start? Should start with you, the exact same place that really kind of was driving David's heart throughout this entire prayer in Psalms 51. It's found in verse 10 Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a loyal spirit within me. That's where we start. It's us coming to God right now, and all of us saying in our own unique way, God created in me that kind of clean heart. Help me to see myself in that clean way so that my worship will come alive, so that my prayer life will come alive again, and so that I can go out and share the goodness of your grace in my life with others. Guys, that's where it starts, and I want to encourage you in just a moment to stand with me and start that prayer. God, create in me a clean heart and renew a loyal spirit before you. Why don't you stand with me, and let's pray. Jesus, because you gave your life on the cross, because you died and you rose again, we can come to you with a heart of repentance, a desire to turn 180 degrees away from what we have been living and going and doing, and return back to you. Because of your grace and the power that you brought to break the curse of sin, we have the opportunity to repent and find freedom. I pray for this congregation right now in Jesus' name. that Lord, we would worship you today with a newfound freedom. That you would create in us that clean heart, Lord. Church, pray that to God even right now in your own way. God, create in me a clean heart. Restore to me, God, a loyal spirit to follow you, to walk in your ways, to worship you with freedom. To pray, with, to pray to you and with you once again with unsealed lips, and Lord, to share my faith with others that are desperately in need of understanding the power of this good grace that, Lord, only you provide. Lord, show up in this church today on Father's Day in a powerful way. Move here in Kearney and in North Platte. Move in the homes of those who are watching this online right now. Break us free from ourselves. Loose us from the lie of the enemy that would cause us to believe that we're still held in bondage even though we repented with a pure heart. Bring freedom to this congregation. We take off our crown. We lay it down. Jesus, we clearly say that you and you alone can be the king of our life. In Jesus' name, amen.